0: We're in the presence of God. Woo! We could keep doing this all morning, but I'll tell you what, I do want to celebrate what the Lord's doing. I mean, let's, let's think back over the last three weeks, okay? First, we end up a, a, a season in Ephesians and really a season in our church as we send off Zach and Shelly to their adventure towards Morocco. We're sending them to Morocco. And then we we get to hear a word from Pastor Jim and we're invited to find our place in the kingdom of God, in our service to the kingdom to make more fruit. And, And then the next week, we see a move of God in and through each of us as he shows us his love as he confirmed through all of us, our new lead pastor, Jeff and Amy, not to mention we got to hear an awesome word from him from John three sixteen through 21 about God's love for us so deep and that he came to save the entire world. I mean, it's got to be clear at this point that God is doing something awesome in West Lafayette, and the greater Lafayette area. It's, it's got to be clear by this point that he wants to do something amazing in and through Connection Point Church. Can we just raise a hallelujah for a minute and celebrate the Lord in your own words? Lord, thank you for what you're doing. Thank you for inviting us to join you. That is amazing. If you don't have an expectation for the Lord doing something great, find it this morning, please. Oh, I'll tell you all that stuff and even our worship this morning. It's refreshing. It's exciting. You might even say that it's it's motivational. I mean, we could. I could shut up and go sit down. And we could hang out with the band and just worship all morning. And it would be fantastic. We could just get hyped. And it would be great. But I'm telling you what. It will fade. See, the feels good. It's going to wear off maybe as soon as a case of the Monday sets in, right? Or homework, although it is spring break, so maybe that analogy doesn't work. You might make it through Thursday. See, this this right now is not enough of a push to keep our eyes on the prize and keep running the race towards the mission that God has for us. Now, I'm not saying that celebrating is bad I'm not saying that worship is bad. It's great, and we should do that. We should do that often because they are, like we've been saying over and over again this morning, places of guaranteed encounter with the Lord. But a brief Sunday fill-up, it's not enough to keep us following when the den of life on this side of eternity rears its head. So how do we find our place and stay there when the going gets tough or when life as we experience it just doesn't make sense. What gives us staying power, let alone the ability to dig in deeper, to love more, to serve more, to give more, to surrender more? They're all great questions. And that's what I wanna talk about this morning. So let's stand and read God's word today. We'll be reading from John 15, 1 through 17 in the New Living Translation i tell you, here in John, from chapter 13 through 17, Jesus is, is kind of giving a series of farewell messages. This message is part of the, the Last Supper discourse. So imagine Jesus hanging out at the table with his disciples. This is a conversation. These letters in most Bibles are read because they're words right from Jesus. He says, I am the true grapevine, and my father is the gardener. He cuts off every branch of mine that doesn't produce fruit, and he prunes the branches that do bear fruit so that they will produce even more. You have already been pruned and purified by the message I have given you. Remain in me, and I will remain in you. For a branch cannot produce fruit if it is severed from the vine, and you cannot be fruitful unless you remain in me. Yes, I am the vine, you are the branches. Those who remain in me and I am them will produce much fruit, For apart from me, you can do nothing. Anyone who does not remain in me is thrown away like useless branch and withers. Such branches are gathered into a pile to be burned. But if you remain in me and my words in you, you may ask for anything you want and it will be granted. When you produce much fruit, you are my true disciples. This brings great glory to my Father. I have loved you even as the Father has loved me remain in my love. When you obey my commandments, you remain in my love, and just as I obey my Father's commandments and remain in his love. I have told you these things so that you will be filled with my joy. Yes, your joy will overflow. This is my commandment, love each other in the same way I had loved you on the eve of his crucifixion. There is no greater love than to lay down one's life for one's friends. You are my friends if you do what I command. I no longer call you slaves because a master doesn't confide in his slaves. Now you are my friends, and since I have told you everything, the Father has told me. You didn't choose me. I chose you. I appointed you to go and produce lasting fruit so the Father will give you whatever you ask for using my name. This is my command. Love each other. Those are the very, very words of God. You can be seated. Now, as a teacher, because I love to teach, I had to condense about 140 pages of message to five. I could hang out in this section of Scripture forever, and I'm going to invite you guys to hang out in this section of Scripture for a long time. But, because God said, let my people go. I've got to keep it concise today. So, before I read the scripture, you know, I posed some really hard questions. Like, how do we stay when the going gets tough? These are questions that I've personally wrestled with. And I'm, I'm certain that most of you have or are wrestling with those very questions, My hope this morning is is not to give you a quick win or an easy out. In fact, it's really the absolute opposite. In Philippians 1.6, we hear a promise, and we read that God is sure to complete the work that he started in us on the day of the Lord. Do we know when the day of the Lord is? No, no one knows. There's a couple outcomes that could mean. Either it's completed when Jesus comes back and takes us away or it's completed after we die. Folks, what I'm going to talk about today is an every moment of every day of the rest of your life. It's just going to take that long, but I'll tell you what, if you dare to live that life, it will be a life that is far more than we could ever think and imagine. So how do we stay after we've said yes? Well, we find our place and stay there by knowing our role. About eight years ago, I was sitting in the Word and with my journal, and I was praying, and I'll tell you, in that season of my life, God had been just dropping words or phrases or pieces of his nature into my heart that he wanted me to study, and I would take Weeks and just dive into the word and, and what is it? And the first one was walk in the truth. You know, I'm praying one day, and God said, Walk in the truth. So I really began to dive in. Well, what does that mean? Walk in the truth. It should be really simple, right? <laughs> walk in the truth. Well, as I studied it, I, I found out that that truth is not a what, but it's a who. I am the way, the truth, and the life. It's Jesus. So I realized then, at some point, if I ever embellished or stretched the truth or just outright lied, I was parting ways with Jesus to be on my own. It's convicting. The next was love. Again, not a what, but a who. And this just continued on and on. It kept going and kept going. So back to that morning about eight years ago, I'm I'm sitting there, and the Lord drops the word Schreiberer. Into my heart. Okay, that's German, all right? And it's roughly translated to pencil directly. It's writer, but it's kind of like the instrument you would write with. So a pencil. Like, okay, Lord, I know this is you talking. I mean, like, it's in my heart. Schreiber, what am I supposed to do with pencil, Lord? I mean, love, truth, contentedness, immediate obedience, all these things you've walked me through. I totally get pencil? What am I supposed to do with that? But I really sensed that he wanted me to sit in that and dwell on that. So literally I opened up my software Logos and I searched and guess what? There's not a whole lot of references for pencil. So I just prayed and dwelt on my Lord, what are you trying to tell me? And then all of a sudden the Lord started downloading to me. He said, Michael, I'm not writing a story for your life. I'm writing my story with your life. You are the pencil. I'm the writer. I'm the author. And all of a sudden, I understood my role. I almost couldn't write fast enough because God was starting to really unlock truth for me at lightning speed. See, our role is to surrender into the hand of God. And I tell you, I could preach an entire sermon just from that. I have about 40 pages of notes as I dwelled on this and I'd love some time to share for, we got lots to cover. We surrender into that role and we flow with his movement. Think about that. As we remain there in that role, like Jesus repeatedly says, as we read in John 15, we don't get to choose when chapters end or when new ones begin. We don't get to choose what characters are introduced or taken away. However, we do get to see God's promises fulfilled in a life extravagantly and extraordinarily written and directed by him. So when the chapter we're in is no longer making sense to us, or we can't see a good outcome, or we're faced with questions we can't answer, we can remain there in his hand and trust his instructions and promises Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Do not depend on your own understanding. Seek his will in all you do, and he will show you which path to take. We read that in Proverbs. See, you can trust the author of the story that he knows what he's doing with you as the pencil. Finding your place and staying there starts with knowing our role. Having staying power, finding your place, And staying there also requires surrender to the process. So, if you're a planner and a doer like me, you might be tempted to try and figure out next steps before you're ready to take them. Or you might, like I've done in the past, believe that I have to get these things done in my own abilities. I have to make myself patient or gentle. Or I have to make disciples. Well, there certainly is a component of me and you in staying in our place once we found it. The vast majority of it's up to God. He says, come to me. My yoke is easy and my burden is light. So if we're running around exhausting every piece of ourselves, well, likely we're improperly yoked. And Jesus clearly says in verse 5 that apart from him, we can do nothing. So, let's pause and consider the word, the word that Jesus used, remain, to stay, to dwell as in be at home. That doesn't imply a sense of hurry or exhaustion to me. Later this afternoon, I will be at home on the couch, relaxing. It's been a long week. No hurry, no exhaustion. Now, I want to be careful, and I don't want to step on any toes. A lot of other translations use abide, and we've heard abide a lot, okay? I purposely avoided that today because I want us to understand that 20, 30 minutes, an hour or two a day is not what Jesus is asking for here. No, he meant remain, as in dwell nonstop from here on out, stay put in him. But I have to work. I have to go to school. I have kids. I have a life. I get it. We're all called to work, to do everything as if we're doing it under the Lord, even schoolwork, to raise and disciple our kids well, and to live in community. But Jesus instructs us to remain in him all the time. But there's a beautiful part. When we keep our focus and we remain, we dwell in him, and we begin to surrender to that, Jesus explains that we will produce fruit. And those branches that produce fruit will be pruned to produce even more fruit. Some of the things the Lord asks us to release or even removes from us in this process may in fact be good things that are ultimately in the way of us producing even more fruit. This will likely look different for each person in the room, but we know, we know that the Lord is concerned with every aspect of our lives. As the psalmist writes in 37, 32, the Lord directs the steps of the godly. He's the writer with the pencil. He delights in every detail of, of their lives remain and will make fruit and be pruned to make fr- more fruit. Like I said earlier, I'm a planner and I'm a doer. If you don't know, I work outside the church. I, I'm a business owner. I'm an entrepreneur. I get to travel the world. And I'll tell you what, it's, it, my role is to be an expert people pay me to think for them and and, and give them ideas. So it's really easy to get hung up in what I can do. And so for years, you know, actually right about this time eight years ago, I'm sitting in the office and I'm like, Lord, I want you to be here. But how in the world are you going to care about this router in this core stack that I'm working on for a client? And he gently reminded me, Michael... I'm the author of all creativity. I gave you the ability to even think about how TCP IP works and how routing needs to go and blah, blah, yada, yada, yada. And I was like, oh. So, Lord, how do I invite you back into what I'm doing? And I'm going to share this with you. You can use this too. He said, Michael, stop, take a breath, and invite me to lead what you're doing. So as we get easily caught up in all the things we know how to do through our own giftings, we can remain by inviting the Lord into what we're doing in the moment. Now, what's this fruit, that first kind of fruit that Jesus is talking about? It's growing in his character, displaying the fruit of the Spirit. You know, love, joy, peace, Patience, kindness, gentleness, faithfulness, and self-control. We find those all throughout in Galatians 5. All these character qualities, Christ-like character qualities, become our new essence as we remain. So imagine we have a vineyard with vines that are producing fruit. A grape. When you squeeze a grape, its essence comes out. We might say the juice that comes out is, is sweet, or maybe it's tart, it's wet, or it's dry, it's clear, or it's cloudy. It's the essence. So either when the going gets hard and we get squeezed under pressure, there's going to be one essence or the other that comes out, either Christ's essence, love, joy, peace, patience, or our essence that's made up from our preferences, our traditions, or our prejudices. But if we remain in Christ and surrender to the process, we are transformed in his likeness. His fruit is produced. So by remaining in him, that transformation by the Holy Spirit to become more like him is producing that fruit. He does the work and makes us able to accomplish what he asks. So while we remain in him, our life is not an imitation of Christ, but the result of Christ in our life. Let me say that again. When we remain in him, our life is not an imitation of Christ, but the result of Christ in our life. It's not us. Remember, his his yoke is easy, his burden is light. I don't have to make myself patient. I don't have to make myself gentle. Thank goodness, because it's not my nature. He does it for me. He transforms me as I remain. It's supernatural and it's extraordinary. (laughs) I'll tell you what, God asks you to do something, then he does it for you. It doesn't get any better than that, guys. So finally, when we find our place, we stay there in daily acts of obedience. In the latter part of the text today, Jesus instructs us to remain in his love, a love just like God the Father's for Jesus himself. He explains that we remain in that love by obeying his commandments, and he also commands us to love others in the same way He loves us. I already mentioned this, but next up, Jesus foreshadows his own soon-coming death on a cross. He says, there is no greater love than to lay down one's life for one's friends. Yeah. If you've never heard that before, if today is your first day, if you've never heard the story of Jesus, friends, he died on the cross in obedience to the Father because he loved us. And he's asking us to love at that same depth. Now you might say that that kind of love requires an all in attitude. (laughs) As we know our role and we surrender every detail of our lives and we grow in the character of Christ, we are enabled through the Holy Spirit to obey all those commandments all the time, but we still have to choose to obey every day. There in our obedience is not just Jesus's joy, but also friendship with him. How many of you guys remember the old song, I am a friend of God? Did you know you can be a friend of God? A friend of God? I mean, it's cool when you're like, yeah, you know, I met this professional, who's gonna watch it? You know, they're my friend. I'm talking the f- Almighty God. We can be friends. You are my friends if you do what I command. I no longer call you slaves because a master doesn't confide in his slaves. No, you are my friends since I have told you everything the Father told me. Friendship with God is found through obedience. It's not only friendship with God that we find through obedience. It's also the ability to make lasting fruit. He says, I have appointed you to make lasting fruit. That second lasting fruit that Jesus is talking about is disciples. It's the treasure that we store up in heaven. It's eternal fruit. And again, it's empowered by the Holy Spirit. He asks us to do it and then gives us the nature, his nature, and the ability, the giftings, to get it done. Now, I said we got to live all in and love like Jesus did all the way to the point of death. So am I saying that you need to die to really obey and be Jesus' friend? Well, eventually we will, but not necessarily today. What I am saying is that we, just like knowing our role and surrendering every aspect, we must die to ourselves to fully obey, that looks a lot like abandoning the question, What will other pink people think if I, when you're standing in the checkout lane and the Lord says, "Hey, pray for that cashier." The enemy uses that question to squash or maybe tempt us to not obey. What are these other people going to think if I pray for this person? Dying to ourselves means dying to that question and again it might also look like dying to the expectation that you will see the outcome of the vision of a ministry that God has birthed in you. Either way, we must choose to obey. This is impossible apart from Christ, so we must we must remain, we must know our role and we must surrender so that we can obey. The commandment that Jesus gives here is simple and it's hard all at the same time. Love each other. This can look like praying for that cashier in front of other people when the Holy Spirit prompts you to. Perhaps it's giving that extravagant gift that you alone can't afford, but God has prompted you. Maybe it's inviting the new folks from out of town into your home for a meal, or even the folks next door or across the street. It might mean turning down a job offer that promises more money but takes you away from where God has called you to be. It may mean taking a job offer that's scary and in a different place and going there because God's called you into it. It may even look like selling everything, quitting your job, moving across the planet, and taking a year to learn a new language and culture just so that you can go make disciples with people that have never had a chance to hear. Remember, Jesus was asked by the Father to hang on a cross for us, and he did it out of love. What God asks us to do, it won't always be easy. It won't make sense or preclude us from suffering. But I'll tell you what, he asks us to do it out of love. And when we remain, and we surrender to the process, and we obey, we're given the love to do it. We can clearly see that loving others as Christ loves us, honestly, is better than we love ourselves. I mean, and we all loved ourselves enough to get dressed and eat breakfast this morning, right? Right? Do we love our neighbors like that? When we see someone that clearly is in need, do we love them enough to make sure that they have another set of clean clothes or a meal? I'm preaching to myself. I'll be honest, years ago, I went and did a bank deposit for one of my companies over by Meijer on 26, and there's a guy panhandling, you know, and I'm driving and I got a meeting to go to, I was like, Lord... Oh Lord, let the light turn green. I don't want to stop with this guy. <laughs> and I got up there and the Lord's like, go buy him lunch. Oh my like, God, I got a meeting. I don't want to be late. Light turned green. I'm like, oh, the light turned green, Lord. I'm gonna to go to my meeting. And as I drove down 26, the Lord's like, I said, buy him lunch. <laughs> I was like, but I got, I got, I got this, I, you know, I and And, and he whispered something that he had laid on me earlier. I mentioned it earlier, immediate obedience. (sighs) Okay, Lord. So I went through McDonald's reasoning with myself. I'll just go through the drive through and I'll at least buy something that I might eat in case he isn't there. Cause maybe this is just a test of, am I obedient enough to go do it? And then, you know, then it'll be a blessing for me, you know, cause I don't normally eat McDonald's, but I'll tell you what, a quarter pounder with cheese and fries was sounding spectacular. So I go through the drive through which was impressively fast, and I turn back around, and I drive back, and he's still there. And I'm like, great. So I parked my truck, and I walked out on the little concrete median in between traffic, and I'll tell you what. I'm holding this lunch and this drink, and I'm walking towards it. And I'm like, um, what do you want me to say, Lord? And he's like, don't worry. I'll give you the words. I got up to the guy, and I just looked at him in the eyes. And all of a sudden, the Lord starts speaking through me. He prompted me to ask, when did you pray for lunch? And the guy said, I haven't prayed in years. I thought, that's funny. Because as I was driving by, God said to buy you lunch. He wanted you to know that he cares more about you than a sparrow that is getting food. And I'll tell you what, there was a bird on the ground getting a worm out of the ground at the same time. I was like, are you kidding me? All right, Lord, object lesson included. And so I got to connect with this guy. And because of the work that I do here through the church, we have a community resource guy. I automatically knew what resources we could connect him to because this guy had fallen on hard times. He got hurt at work, lost his job. He was just trying to get some spare money so that he could You know, get back on his feet and get back to work. And so got him all connected. I connected him with a local pastor that he lived near, and it was amazing. I would have missed that if I hadn't surrendered my schedule, if I hadn't known my role, and if I hadn't surrendered to the process of being transformed. God even gave me the word friends, He asks you to do it, but then He gives you the ability to get it done. So if it's that good, then shouldn't we be making it our only priority to share his love with others? That's loving others as he loves us. But I'll tell you what, we can't do it on our own, and we won't do it well if we are less than fully obedient. A couple weeks ago, we got to go sign up to find a place to serve in the local church or our community or even globally. Thank you for doing that. Thank you for heeding the call. But I'm going to tell you, if you try to do that on your own, you're going to fail. You have to let God drive that. Being a follower of Jesus calls for a supernatural life. Any attempt to duplicate it apart from Christ really is doomed to failure. But when we obey, his joy is in us. It's not a result of pleasant circumstances, but of wholehearted obedience. To be half-hearted, hear this, to be half-hearted is to get the worst of both worlds. The choice is ours to make every day. I'm going to invite the worship team back up. I'm actually doing really good. You know, out of the seven hours of material that I had, I'm down to one minute left. Yes. And I know this hasn't really been a, a, maybe even a feel-good message. There's no easy out, guys. This is the rest of our lives. But what a life it is if we dare to live it. we have to remain. And we can do that through places of guaranteed encounter with him. You know, I mentioned stop, take a breath, and ask him to lead what you're doing. We can also purposely put encounters in our life. The Bible is full of them. We see in scripture that the Lord inhabits the praises of his people. Have you heard the worship song, This is How I Fight My Battles? This is how you fight your battles. Get into worship every day. The Word of God in the Bible, not just reading it, commit to memorizing it. Remember I said when we're squeezed, the essence comes out. As you memorize scripture, when you're squeezed, that'll come out. In prayer, I'm a prayer. I like praying. I like praying by myself. And I pray all day long, kind of nonstop dialogue. Get in the habit of prayer. It's direct dialogue with God. I don't know how much more of an encounter with God that you can have right there. The best part of being a pencil is that they have erasers. If you find yourself going your own way, you can begin again with him in charge. But be forewarned—you might get flipped up upside down and shaken in the process before he starts writing again, and that's okay. As we remain, we'll develop in his character. And he will reveal to us all those things that we must surrender. And then he'll give us the strength to do it, along with the desire to do it as well. That, friends, results in our will being replaced by his will. Then we can fully obey and make good, lasting fruit. Let's stand. Guys, I'm glad you're here today. And I love you. And I'll tell you, all of the pastoral staff, all the leadership, we're here to walk with you. So if everybody would bow their heads and close their eyes. Maybe you're hearing these words today and you're realizing that I've got stuff I need to surrender. We can start right now. Maybe you're at a point where you're wanting to grow deeper, and you can pray, Lord, take out anything that doesn't reflect you that's inside of me and replace it with you. Or maybe you're here and you've never had a relationship with Jesus. And this is the first time that you've heard that he loved you so much that he died on the cross. And then he has a plan, a story, his story that he wants to write with your life. If that's the case, I'd ask you to raise your hand. Every eye is closed, every head is bowed. I don't want to do this to embarrass you, but I want to give an opportunity to respond so that I can pray with you. So that somebody can begin to walk with you. Perhaps you've been coming to church for 30 years and you've been a one year old Christian 30 times over. And today the Lord is saying, I want you to get to two and three and I'll take you there. If that's you today, raise your hand. I want to pray with you. Thank you. I'm going to pray, We're going to sing a song, and then we'll go home to Dwell. Lord, thank you for my brothers and sisters, and thank you for an opportunity to share what you have for us. Lord, for those that raise their hands, meet them where they're at. Lord, begin to show them and reveal to us, even me, anything that doesn't reflect you. Remove it. Refine us. Lord, let us know surely your plans so we can rest easily in your hand as you write your story with our lives. Lord, for those that raise their hand that want to go to the next step, meet them there. Lord, give them a desire. Lord, not, not a desire, a delight in finding you in places of guaranteed encounter. Most of all this week, Lord, I ask for you to supernaturally more than we can ever imagine. To not only meet us as we seek you, Lord, but come back 30, 60, 100 full of our efforts just so that we can know you are in love with us, that you delight in us. Give us the boldness and the ability to see the divine encounters that you provide and to step into those. Abandoning the question, what would other people think if I? Most of all, thank you, Lord, for meeting us here today. In your name I pray. Amen.